Everybody people, everybody bleed, everybody needs some, everybody love, everybody know how it goes. Everybody people, everybody bleed, everybody needs some, everybody love, everybody know. Welcome to Telling It How It Is with co-host Naz and Marilee. Today we will be discussing what our podcast is, who we are, and a couple of current events that are relevant to our lives. This podcast is about people of color and allies from diverse backgrounds and their experiences as first-generation law students in both higher education and the professional world who face and advocate for social justice issues such as immigration, immigrant rights, civil rights, human rights, humanitarian rights, current events, the current administration, and much more. So we know a lot of you are probably wondering where our name came from, and so telling it how it is is truly a reflection of our experiences. As women of color, we oftentimes face uh, discrimination and hurdles, both in the professional world and in our educational experience. Oftentimes, we're told to just accept the world as it is, and we learn that this isn't just how it is, and that these are real struggles that we go through and others go through that should be addressed and unpacked. So now it's our turn to tell it how it is, and we plan to do so through this podcast. To begin this podcast, we are going to introduce ourselves. My name is Marilee. I am currently a 2L at Santa Clara University School of Law. I went to the National Hispanic University and was part of the last graduating class there. I majored in business administration with a concentration in international business, always with the goal of one day becoming an immigration attorney. As a Mexican-American first-generation student, I was aware of the statistics, but the numbers really didn't scare me as much as they motivated me to continue my journey. At NHU, I met amazing people who have helped me continue to reach my goal. I majored in business administration because the the long-term goal is to have my own law offices eventually so that I can help my community. There's a lot more to unpack, and you will get to know Naz and I very well in the coming episodes, and I'm excited to do so. Thank you for that intro, Marilee. I'm Naz, and I'm also going to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm currently a 2L at Santa Clara University School of Law. I work full-time in finance for a tech education company here in the Silicon Valley, and I'm the co-director and founder of an international nonprofit called Arzo Foundation. I'm in my early 20s and a first-generation law student who's studying law to go into human rights. I spent some time at the UN during the summer and am currently a legal intern for my company's legal team. Previously, I completed my undergraduate studies at Sacramento State in the capital of California. I majored in government in the pre-law program there. Uh, I've worked at institutions like Stanford and have a little background in grassroots work back in Sacramento, as well as working with children of disabilities. Um, As I've mentioned previously, I'm first generation, and my family came here from Afghanistan around 1986. I'm the youngest of three. My sister is about 11 or 12 years older than me, depending on the day, and my uh, brother is about five years older. We grew up in the Bay Area and still have a lot of family back home in Afghanistan, so I guess um, I kind of get the best of both worlds. Growing up in a Muslim Middle Eastern family in America has presented its own challenges, but throughout it all, I've just wanted to help as many people as I can, both here and abroad. Growing up, my dad really emphasized how important higher education is, and all my life, I've really just wanted to obtain the tools to help others. So that's really what I'm currently doing. I really hope that Marilee and I can show other people of color that although it's hard to make it through compassion, love, and of course the law, we got this. When we aren't afraid to be ourselves, it allows others' lights to shine so they can see that they too have what it takes to get wherever they want to be. 
And so to begin helping each other and informing each other, I'm going to talk about a current event that relates to who I am as a person. I'm going to be talking about the individuals in the Texas and Mexican border who were born in the U.S., have documents proving that they were born in the U.S., but are being denied U.S. passports, held in immigration detention centers, and entered into deportation proceedings. According to various sources, such as CNN, The Washington Post, and NPR, the targeted individuals are mostly of Mexican-American descent who were born between 1950 and 1990. The reasoning behind the denials, according to the government, is based on the ele elevated use of midwives and physicians working along the border who allegedly issued U.S. birth certificates to babies born in the U.S., who allegedly issued U.S. birth certificates to babies born in Mexico, which some birth attendants have admitted to in court. Nonetheless, a majority of those affected were actually born on U.S. soil. And that brings me to the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which provides that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. The phrase, subject to the jurisdiction thereof, excludes children born to foreign diplomats and children born to enemy forces engaged in hostile occupation of the country's territory. However, some individuals believe that this line in the amendment also excludes children of undocumented parents. So this is where our conversation begins. If there's proof that an individual was born in the U.S., then because of Jusoli, or right by soil, they are U.S. citizens. But how much proof is enough? Tell us what you think in the comments below. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marilee. Yeah, so that's definitely a very important issue going on right now. I know it's getting a lot of media coverage, but uh, we want to kind of present an independent, uh, non-biased view. Uh, so the way that we're going to kind of do these podcasts and these current events is that uh, we're going to go ahead and present uh, a current event, and then we're going to go ahead and spot the issues, uh, the legal issues and the social justice issues that arise, and then we'll go ahead and present the applicable laws or that we're aware of, at least. Um, and then we're going to kind of let you guys formulate your own opinions and so uh, what we'll do is in the next episode we'll go ahead and follow up and just present our legal analysis and our views on the topic but we want to kind of give you guys some time to go ahead and formulate your own views or uh, formulate how you think that these laws are applicable or how you interpret these laws to be applicable to these issues because we want to kind of have you know you guys engaged and we want you guys to go ahead and formulate your own thoughts rather than us just tell you uh, what we think but don't worry we're definitely going to follow up with you guys and uh, tell you how we think it is uh, since the podcast is telling it how it is we kind of have to present our views but you know most importantly we really just want to open dialogue just to ensure that all views are on the table and that we kind of address everything rather than have it be one-sided we want to make sure that our legal analysis is soundproof and that we take everything into consideration that being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my current event. And so my current event's actually on Nike's Just Do It campaign. Uh, so on September 3rd, which was just a day ago for us, uh, Nike uh, went ahead and announced that Colin Kaepernick is going to be the face of um, their campaign. And so uh, I guess I have to hold back from presenting my own view of this. Uh, but a lot of conservatives are really upset. Um, and the reason why they're upset is because he's kind of the... Um, 
the lead uh, social activist right now in the NFL um, who has been fighting and kneeling for, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and uh, against police brutality. And so a lot of people are saying that it's very disrespectful that he's kneeling during the uh, national anthem and that this is not something that NFL players should do while they're on the field. And so um, the applicable law here is, of course, the First Amendment. Uh, The First Amendment guarantees freedoms concerning religion, expression, assembly, and the right to petition. It forbids Congress from both promoting one religion over others and also restricting an individual's religious practices. It guarantees freedom of expression by prohibiting Congress from restricting the press or the rights of individuals to speak freely. It also guarantees the right of citizens to assemble peacefully and to petition their government. And so the way that this is kind of uh, applicable here is that not too long ago, there's a lot of pressure by this current administration to go ahead and for the NFL to go ahead and put some restrictions on players being able to kneel because Kaepernick and a lot of other NFL players started kneeling in protest of the national anthem because of the mass amount of police brutality going on and because of the treatment of people in color in general. And so uh, what happened back in May is that the NFL went ahead and announced that the new policy for the national anthem is that it requires players to stand if they're on the field during the performance, but it gives them the option to remain in the locker room if they prefer. It basically kind of bars them from practicing their First Amendment rights, if you think about it, because they can't really protest in public. And so states, of course, because the First Amendment's included in the Bill of Rights, the states have a job to protect those rights because it's uh, unalienable rights to go ahead and protest. So those are the legal facts presented, the NFL policy and basically the First Amendment, and of course, the, the Bill of Rights being incorporated into state law. So they have to protect your rights. So definitely uh, go ahead and take a minute to think about this. I know conservatives feel very strongly about this, um, but I also know that, you know, if you take the applicable rules and regulations and the laws that exist, and, you know, the Constitution is very important here in America, and if you take those tools and kind of analyze this issue, maybe you'll have a different opinion on this if you're conservative, and if you, you know, you are in support of Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players kneeling, then maybe use those tools to analyze it in a legal manner and see, is this okay? Is this something that's protected? Is this something that should be protected? You know, there's different issues to look at there. And so we'll follow up with you next week. So this is all tea, no shade. Let us know how you feel about this first podcast. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we hope to see you back for the next episode. I'm rare as affordable health care. Oh, God. Or going to wealth from welfare. Yes. I turn my W's to M's. Yeah, I flipped all.